This is Real Talk with Ben Tompkins, presented by Four Roses. How you doing, everybody? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. Welcome back in. We are presented by Four Roses Bourbon. Good to have you back. I am very excited about the next couple of guests joining me, not only in, in today's episode, but in next week's episode and even looking on beyond that. Uh, you guys are really in for some treats. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Merrill. Sarah is the creator of the Big Kid Problems social media accounts. She runs the blog. She runs a podcast. It's a thriving business. And as somebody that is on my own, trying to pursue a path that's uniquely my own, I look at her and the things that she posts about, which are very relatable um little things to overcome anxieties and just big kid problems like growing up and being like wow no one has this shit figured out um finding it very relatable and thinking what this is really somebody that i admire and this is really somebody that i look up to somebody that's that's you know not only done it but is doing it actively doing it and i was lucky enough to have sarah join me to talk about what that transition was like, ditching the corporate world and turning her side hustle into her full-time gig, the meaning of faking it until you become it, uh, how to get out of your own head, overcome rejection, and her favorite quote to live by. If you enjoy this, please do me a favor. I am on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and SoundCloud as well. Please help a brother out, all right? Leave me a rating, a review, subscribe to the podcast, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BennyTomp18. The show page on Facebook is at RealTalkWBennyT. Share it to your timeline, share it with your sister, share it to your grandpa, whoever. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm really excited about this one. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Without further ado, here is Sarah Merrill. All right, and I'm joined now by Sarah Merrill, creator of Big Kid Problems. Sarah, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for doing this. I uh, I came across Big Kid Problems first on Instagram, and then at some point, like after maybe two months of following it, I realized that they were screenshots of tweets. So I was like, oh, it's on Twitter too. And so then I went to Twitter and then I started to look at the, the blog and then I noticed that you were putting out the Big Kid Problems podcast. And I just, you know, I'm 28 and I'm going kind of definitely a different route than you did, but can certainly relate to a lot of the things that you've done in your life. And certainly all the posts that you put up, I'm like, wow, this is just really relatable shit. Like this is really helping me right now, you know? So um, to get you on my podcast is, is awesome. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Such a blast. Thanks. Thanks for uh, having me on and thanks for checking out all the stuff. There's <laughs> There's lots of things going on. Um, I actually started on Twitter, which is funny, but Twitter, Twitter's my jam. And now you are uh, your <laughs> your wedding has been delayed due to coronavirus, so you're kind of having to pivot there. Um, oh yeah, that's my biggest current big kid problem. We all have our own big kid problems, but that's mine right now. <laughs> How long do you have to wait? 11 months, <laughs> almost wow. an entire full year. Yeah, wow. it's crazy. I'm sorry. It's all good. My Corona bride's out there. I feel you. <laughs> I feel the pain. <laughs> all right. So let's jump in. I uh, We're going to cover maybe, you know, 10 questions here. And I want to first start by asking, like, 
how Big Kid Problems came to be. Yeah, so I actually, um, I started Big Kid Problems actually my senior year of college. So I was a senior, I was getting ready to graduate. I was procrastinating, uh, studying for my finals as one does. And I, at the time, like loved Twitter. I always saw all these like problems accounts. So like white girl problems was one of my favorite Twitter accounts that I used to just scroll through and laugh. And there was a couple other like something, something problems. So I kind of thought, you know, I could, I could do these jokes and I kind of wanted to do it for that specific period of time in my life where I was getting ready to graduate and join the adult workforce and just being like, I don't even know the first thing about being an adult. (laughs) So I came up, yeah, I came up with big kid problems and I was like, you know, I don't even like that name. I'll change it later down the road. (laughs) And here we are almost, almost nine, nine, 10 years later, which is crazy. Um, but you know, started on Twitter. It picked up a little popularity around my campus is really how it kind of got started. And then I moved it over to Instagram. Instagram really took off. Um, And simultaneously, as I was growing this account, of course, I was getting older. Uh, I ended up, I moved to New York right after I graduated college with basically three cardboard boxes and my bartender savings from from my senior year. (laughs) Uh, So I had all kinds of big kid problems. I had (laughs) a world of big kid problems. So like it really became kind of my, my outlet and kind of my cheap therapy was just putting out these funny jokes um, about my own life. And um, it just kind of took off from there. And I never, when I started it, I never thought it would be my full-time gig, <laughs> but it's really kind of grown into a business and a platform and it's so much fun and I love doing it. What were you doing in New York when you moved there and you were living there and the infancy stages, right? I know you said you started this while you were in college, but what were you doing before you started doing this full time? Yeah. So I actually, I went straight into PR, which was like when I was in college, that was kind of like the hot job mm-hmm. for, for like girls my age. It was just like kind of like, it seemed like a fun, glamorous world to get into as public relations. Um, so I, I, my first job out of college was working for a publicist in entertainment. And I ended up my first couple years in New York working at three different PR firms. And for anybody who knows the PR world, it was not the glamorous, cool job that I thought it was going to be. I worked crazy hours. I got paid basically nothing. I lived off of like $1 pizza around New York and I could barely afford my rent. (laughs) So that's where I started. And I ended up, I I had a couple different random jobs. Like during my time in New York, I fell into um, a business development job where I worked for a recruiting company and, and did like mostly the sales for that. And I ended up, I took it kind of on a complete whim. Really, it was like after three years of PR of not making any money, I was like, I need to, I need to, I was doing big kid problems at the time and I was getting a lot of fulfillment with that. So I was like, all right, I have my creative outlet. Now I really need to focus on making money. And that's kind of how I fell into um, sales. And I did that for a couple of years um, and really, you know, supported myself, built up a savings uh, and was able to, um, after doing that for a couple of years and simultaneously growing Big Kid Problems, um, I was able to kind of take, grow Big Kid Problems big enough to where I could take it as my full-time job. How much of a split during your days were your nine to five job and then Big Kid Problems? Like, did you ever turn off? Uh 
Not really. I mean, that's kind of the thing is like, I, I, to this day, I can't really control when like inspiration hits, you know, like I'm, I'm one of those, I've moved on from this cause my fiance, he, he, it drives him nuts. But like, I used to keep like a notepad by my bed and I would like jump up and just like write big kid problems or, you know, like <laughs> I can't control when these things come through my head. So, uh, really, I mean, I would obviously do my job, but sometimes inspiration strikes and you can't help it. So I would constantly, <laughs> and I would be posting. I mean, I posted throughout the day. My, in the beginning of my job, uh, my career, I kept it completely anonymous. Nobody knew about it. So I was doing it and no one had any idea towards the end. My entire office knew. And like when a big kid problem went up, it was kind of like a funny thing because people were like, wow, like Sarah's really working hard over there. <laughs> um, but luckily I, I was good enough at my job that I didn't get in too much trouble. And then at what point did you decide to leave that career behind and that, you know, you, you, what you were doing in sales and move and make the leap to doing this full time? Um, I kind of like, even before I did it, maybe for like a year before, I kind of saw that that was the trajectory that I was going down. I was like, I think I'm going to be able to, I, I was making, I was making significant income. I won't say significant income. Let's be real. Um, I was making some income off of it and I, I could see, and I could see other influencers and, and, um, other accounts similar to mine really making a business off of theirs. So I saw that there was like kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm like, if I do this right, I will be able to take this full time. Um, but it probably took me a full year of planning for that where I was, you know, saving up my funds, um, you know, getting my ducks in a row, making sure I had multiple revenue streams. Cause that's like a, another thing. It's not just like, I don't just get, um, income from like promotions. I do a lot of other stuff on the side. So I had to make sure that I had enough that I would be okay if I left my job and my health benefits and all those good things behind. And, um, yeah, really, it, I, I got to a point where I was, I had a lot of opportunities coming my way and my real job was, you know, I was kind of at that breaking point where I was like, I really want to focus on big kid and it's going to start to really impact my, my day job. And I also wanted to leave my day job on, on good terms because they had been great to me. So it was just kind of, I got to that, that balance point and I, I decided to pick, I decided to pick big kid. What did the first few years look like once you did go with Big Kid and like in terms of how you structured your day and content creation? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're smiling as I asked that question. <laughs> yeah, it was hard in the beginning. Like I didn't anticipate it being such a, a hard thing, but you go from like the corporate world where, you know, you have to be up at a certain time, you have to be at your desk at a certain time, you have like all of these things that somebody's telling you to do, so you don't really think about it. Um mm -hmm. And it's really different than when you are on your own and everything is reliant on you and what you want to do. And actually like my first, my first week on my own, like I'll never forget this. I think it was like day two of when I was on my own. I, I got to like, I got to like 11 AM and I was just like, I don't know what to do with my time. <laughs> and I literally like, I, I was like, I've always wanted to watch Schindler's List and I've never had the time. And I literally, it was like a Tuesday afternoon and I watched like a three hours of Schindler's List on Netflix. And I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to do this. Yeah. Cause now it's 2 PM and what's, what's yeah, the rest of the I still day? have like, I still have like the rest of my day. It was, it was crazy, but there was like a couple real moments of fear there where I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Did you ever have like, 
yeah, what did I just do? You know, you take this leap, you're really excited about it. And then you're like, whoa, now I'm out on my own. Now what? Yeah. Um, I mean, even now, like I'm a couple of years out and I still have those days where I'm like, oh crap, I really wish I was getting a, a paycheck right now. Um, yeah. I mean, those moments are going to come all the time. There's definitely waves when you're on your own in business where sometimes it's super awesome and sometimes it sucks. <laughs> Uh, what was it like for you socially? You know, if you're so focused on growing the business and were you going out? Were you, you maybe you didn't have enough money to go out? I, I don't know. Like, what was that like? Well, that's actually a great question because that's something that was surprising to me. Um, in my corporate job, I worked in sales. So I, I frequently like entertained clients. I was out all the time and like, I didn't mind so much rolling into work hungover. Like I knew I could get kind of get away with it when I'm off since the moment I went on my own, like I have cut that shit down. Like I stopped going out on the weekdays. Cause I'm like, I really need to focus. I need to like hustle the next day, you know, like I, I don't have a guaranteed paycheck coming. So I've actually, my social life has actually kind of, now I wouldn't say tanked, but it's definitely gone down ever <laughs> since I left the cor corporate world, which is surprising. Cause like I thought, you know, being on my own, I would be able to do whatever I wanted. And it, it's different when it's on your dime. That's for sure. So what do your days typically consist of now? I mean, do you secure your sponsorships for the podcast and advertises for the blog or do you, you know, yeah, you go into what your day is like, a typical day for you. Um, no day, no two days are the same. I know like that's like the generic answer for anybody in any job ever, but it's it's very true. Um, I do it all. Like I do, I do everything. Um, so sponsorships, content creation, um, production with my podcast. Uh, so my podcast gives me a little bit of structure because I know like which days I have to turn my episode in and I know which days I have to create like my promotional assets. So I have a little bit of structure throughout the week around that, but every day is, is totally different. Um, and I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm literally just, I, I'm like a juggler. Like I just have a lot of balls in the air that I'm trying <laughs> to keep up. That's like the best analogy I can think of. <laughs> and you said that you have like other forms of income that come in like other things that you do on the side in addition to Big Kid Problems, what are some of those? Yeah, so when I first started, um, merchandise was a big thing for me, um, which I still have merchandise on my site, but I you know, designed like a bunch of, I, I wanted it to be specific to my channel, so I made a bunch of like funny coffee mugs because I thought like people are selling shirts and stuff, but I wanted it to be a little bit different, so I made a merch line. Um, so that was a revenue stream. Uh, I was doing... Um, some event hosting. So like I would work with brands and not only promote them on social, but I would also, you know, do like a store launch or, um, you know, some different types of live events, or I would do, um, a little bit of TV stuff. Like I, I, not that that was a huge revenue stream, let me tell you, but, um, <laughs> that was just like another area of the business that I, I would do. Um, yeah, I saw you were on Steve Harvey's show, right? Yeah. 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 Three times, three yeah. times. That was awesome. Such a cool life experience. <laughs> scary, super scary, but really fun. Why scary? Just because so many people would be watching? Oh, I mean, oof. it was ter It was just really terrifying because like that's, you're going into an environment that is 
a very well-oiled machine, super professional with Steve Harvey, who is like a veteran um, entertainer and TV personality and me walking in there with zero experience <laughs> uh, on TV. I was completely terrified that I would, you know, completely screw it up and embarrass myself. It's also filmed in front of a 200 person live studio audience. So up until that point, I had never done like a public speaking, <laughs> really? never done public speaking, never been on TV. So uh, it was really, really scary, but really, really cool really fun and um was a true testament i think to me on um faking it till you make it <laughs> just the power of that um because i definitely faked it till i made it okay i'm glad you brought that up because i had uh, done some homework and went back and looked at this ted talk that you shared like a long time ago okay but amy cuddy was the person who was giving the talk and I'll link it in the show notes for anybody listening that wants to watch this TED Talk. But at the heart of that TED Talk was this notion that you shouldn't fake it till you make it. You fake it till you become it. And that really struck deep with you. Obviously, if you're reciting it just off the top of your head, like it, it, it was deep to you. So what has that meant for you? And can you kind of explain what makes it hit so deep for you? Oh my God. That that's my all time favorite Ted talk. And it really was life changing. Um, and for anybody who hasn't heard it, like we should link it or something where people can go watch it. Yeah. It's incredible. I'll try to, I'll try to summarize it as best as I can, but really just the idea that, um, you, your, your physiology, like how you move your body and like the poses that you have and the facial expressions you use can really actually change your internal, uh, views. So I'll use that Steve Harvey thing as a, as a example, really, um, where I was so terrified and walking into NBC studios and, you know, seeing the crowd start to fill up, like my internal, my internal, um, narrative was just like freaking out. Like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And, and in that Ted talk, she talks about like different things you can like use with your body. Like she talks about like using like power poses, like literally putting your hands on your hips and standing up really tall for two minutes will like change your physiology. It, it's a whole crazy thing. And I'm probably doing a terrible job of explaining. No, it's you doing killing it. Yeah. But I like, I legitimately use all of those tools. Um, and really like I, and I, that was just one example of how this really works. But I, I was sitting there in, in my green room, you know, before going on, just like, talking to myself like Sarah I know you don't think you can do this but we're gonna walk out there and we're gonna do our best impression of somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing <laughs> and I'm gonna look the part I'm gonna smile I'm gonna make myself look really comfortable even though like I am not comfortable at all and it's amazing I mean like watching it back because like I know how I felt when I was recording it like I was still like just paralyzed but I look back and I, I can watch the clips and I'm like, wow, I look like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's all that matters. And, and, and I have, you know, since then I've done more um, things in front of crowds and it, just the more that you can fake yourself out, not fake yourself out, but really talk yourself into faking it till you become it. Like I have just gotten so much more comfortable with doing a lot of the things that in the beginning I never thought I could. And it, it comes back to just pretending. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some people talk about signs or affirmations 
Do you have a moment that sticks out to you where you felt like, wow, like the universe is sending me a sign right now. I'm on the right path. Like, did, did, did that come to you at all? Yeah, actually, um, right before I quit my job, my corporate job, um, cause again, I, I, like I was kind of saying, um, I wanted to do it for a year, but I didn't know when the right time was. And I was kind of like at that, that balancing point, but I didn't know when I was really going to pull the trigger. And, um, I was listening to a podcast, love my podcast. Hey. Hey, um, I was listening to a podcast with Sarah Blakely, who is the CEO of Spanx, if anybody doesn't know her, but she's like a personal hero of mine. We went to the same college. She's like a sorority girl. Like, you know, just, I just like, I, I related with her a lot and she's like one of the first made female billionaires. So I just, I love her mm -hmm. and totally respect her. Um, so I was listening to an interview with her and she was talking about, um, when she was like 27 working in a sales job and she like the moment that she realized that she needed to quit and pursue her own business. And she kept saying, she's like, the quote was um, that really made her change her mind was like, this life isn't a dress rehearsal. She's like, and she just kept saying that she's like, this life isn't a dress rehearsal. If you want it, you don't get a second chance. Like you, this isn't, this isn't like a test run, you know, like you, mm. you have one shot. And so you have to, you have to go all out like in your one life that you have. And I literally was listening to this, like walking around New York, like walking home. And I like stopped in my tracks. It was just like, holy shit. Like this life isn't a dress rehearsal. What am I doing? Like, why am I working for somebody else when I like love this other thing? So that was really one of my big um, aha moments, if you will. Who are some of your other mentors in life and what have you learned from them? And by the way, I love Sarah Blakely. She when she's on Shark Tank, she's one of the best guests they bring on Shark Tank. She's so awesome. She's so cool. <laughs> um, love her. I, I uh, I'm trying to think other other people. I so I I look to a lot of other um, like female comedians. I love. I love Amy Schumer, um, Eliza Schlesinger, um, and I and in terms of like social media personalities, because these are people I look to. Because I I'm still you know trying to figure out how this works as a business. So I look at a lot of other people in similar spaces. I love Rachel Hollis. Um, I love Oprah. <laughs> you know, like I, I just see people doing cool stuff and I try to emulate it. <laughs> More from Sarah in a moment, but first, I gotta tell you about my friends at Four Roses Bourbon who would like me to remind you that winning deserves a worthy reward and you should celebrate life's wins with Four Roses family of award-winning bourbons. Sit back, relax, take a sip, and savor the victory. Learn more at fourrosesbourbon.com. Be mellow, be responsible, my friends. Now back to Sarah. How do you combat feelings of discouragement or moments of self-doubt? How do you move past those? Um, it's a, it's a tough one because there's a lot. <laughs> Cause you know, you know what happens is like one day I'll have that moment of doubt and one of my tools will work. And then the next day I need a different tool because like that no longer works. So that's actually like literally why I started my podcast because like I do all of these kind of like self, not self-healthy, but kind of like things. 
Um, I do all kinds of stuff. Like I do meditation. I just learned how to meditate for like for reals about a year ago. <laughs> um, and that's really helped me. I do journaling exercises. Um, oh, that's one. Uh, one of my favorite, one of the, one of my favorite journal exercises to do when like the doubt really starts creeping in is I like to take a piece of paper and I like to draw a line down the middle. And in my first column, I write like what I'm thinking right now, like what are the thoughts I'm having? So under that column, I'll put things like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> like <laughs> you're a failure. Or you're the, you know, like all these like terrible, terrible thoughts. And then in my second column, I'm like, why this is all BS. And then I like have to respond to each bullet point and like actually talk through, like, actually you do know what you're doing because you've done this, 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 and this. And like, I have to, that, that's like one thing that I've done that actually really helps me because I, I think writing in general has always kind of been my way to get my, I have a lot of crazy thoughts and it, it helps me like organize my thoughts and look at them on paper. Mm -hmm. um, and it helps me like tell the truth because a lot of the times, a lot of the self-doubt that we all have are like lies that we're telling ourselves. Perfect segue. What is the biggest lie that grownups tell us? <laughs> uh, the biggest lie is that there are such thing as grownups. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Expose them all. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no such thing as a grownup. Like that's the whole, that's the literally the whole like thing behind big kid problems is that like we're not adults we are actual big kids like i'm still the same sarah i was like seven years old scrappy like you know in my backyard like i still am that same person like i i used to look at somebody who was like 30 years old and be like wow that is a full-blown adult and like now that i'm in my 30s i'm like nope <laughs> still still winging it and like even like my dad like even my grandma like they they're, they're like we still connect with big kid problems they're like we feel the same way like we're big kids my grandma's like 68 so <laughs> i i think that's the the biggest lie like none of us are actually adults what's been one of or some of the coolest moments being on this journey seeing it a few years down, like now watching a lot of your hard work that you put in at the beginning, starting to really kind of like take form as you've just hit 30 and you're kind of looking ahead to what the next 10 years are going to be. Like what have been some of the coolest moments to this point? Uh, some of the coolest moments to this point, definitely Steve Harvey. Like that was such a gift. And like I said, such a challenge and something that I look back on. And like, whenever I start to have self-doubt, I'm like, okay, that's like one thing I know that I'm capable of doing hard things. <laughs> you know, that was, that was a really cool experience. Um, I've gotten to travel. I've gotten to even just like experiences of like being like running my own show day to day is like such a gift. Like I love that I get to do what I'm doing and like have fun with work. And I'm like truly, truly passionate about it every day. Um, yeah. Where does, uh, where does your passion come from? Like what makes you as a senior in your sorority house go, I just want to help a bunch of people. Like, like that's like altruistic, right? Like where does that come from? I mean, I, I just like, I think, I don't think that was like necessarily the goal when I started was to help people. It was just like to be funny, like just to, as an, it was just really like an outlet, but it has moved to that point of like, I want to help people. And really like where it comes from is like, I've just been there. Like I've been in my early twenties, like scared 
super lost, not knowing like how I'm going to pay rent next month. Um, and like, <laughs> those were like the early big kid problems. And I've been there in my later twenties. Like I know, you know, like not thinking like anyone would ever marry me or like, you know, the struggles <laughs> of being single. Like I just, I know, I know the pain and like the hurt behind being like scared and lost, um, as a young adult trying to like navigate, you know, the adult world. And I love that I'm able to provide something that somebody can look at and be like, oh, I'm not alone. Like somebody else has gone through this too. So yeah, that's all I'm trying to do. (laughs) What is your favorite piece of advice that you tell people when they ask like, Sarah, I don't have anything figured out. What should I do with my life? Like, what do you tell them? I mean, my, my biggest thing is I'm like, nobody has it figured out. Like, cause that's, I think one of the biggest challenges for all of us is like, we see, we think that our peers are all like accelerating at a different rate than we are. We feel like we're behind. We feel like other people have it figured out and we don't. And therefore we are less than them. Um, because like social media and Instagram and all that stuff, we see everybody's highlight reels and we think that people are doing like amazing shit and we're like, well, what am I doing? (laughs) And I think that's like a big, big thing. And like, even like the older I get, I still see it. Like people who I look at who I'm like, oh my God, they are so successful. If I could only get to this point, like it would be amazing. And they're like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing either. Like, you know, (laughs) there's a real comfort in that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I I think... I, I definitely always used to look at older people and just be like, oh, they've, they've got their shit figured out. But then as I like spend more time around my parents, friends or people that I grew up with or, you know, people that I meet in whatever industry and then I start to spend some time around them, they start to kind of like open up to me a little bit. I'm like, dude, this guy or this girl, like how did they like what the hell is this just like? Yeah, I guess everybody's just kind of faking it until they've they've become it a little bit. Yeah, and like that's the whole thing. It's like we all have to have a little bit more grace for ourselves. We have to go a little bit easy on our easier on ourselves because if we're if we're not, if we're not gonna chill out on us until like we have it all figured out, it's never gonna happen. So that's like the biggest thing is like we all have to just kind of get comfortable with that feeling of like it, it is it's it's all about the journey, you know. Hmm. How have you responded to, or let me put it this way, how have you handled rejections in your life? Oh, man. I get rejected all the time. (laughs) (laughs) All the time. Um, I've definitely had like a, I've had like a, definitely I've gotten better with rejection with age. And through just getting rejected more and more, like I just, you know, like it, 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 it does hurt every time. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, Hey, like getting rejected is totally cool. Like it hurts every single time. Um, but I, I have realized now that it is a hundred percent part of the process. Like if I'm not getting rejected, I'm probably not trying hard enough because I should be constantly reaching out and trying new to do new things. Um, and with that process, is always followed by rejections. And, you know, I might get 10 rejections on something before I get a yes. So I just now, when I get rejected, I try to remind myself like, okay, but I'm on, I'm on the right path to a yes, because, um, I'm trying, I'm trying something. So, and, and also with rejections, like, um, sometimes you get good feedback. I'm trying to think of like, um, a recent, 
a recent rejection I got, um, just as an example. <laughs> um, recently I got turned down. Uh, I was talking to a podcast network that was interested in um, potentially having my show on their network. And they eventually rejected it, and but they gave me reasons why. And that, of course, helps me now go back and like internalize that and see which suggestions I want to take. Like some of the things I'm like, I get why they're rejecting me, but I don't want to make this change on my show. Um, you know, like I, I, I'm able to, I'm able to get that, use that feedback and use it or not use it, but it ultimately it's going to help me grow. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Um, how do you bounce back from breakdowns? Like everybody has breakdowns, right? But what what do you do? Is there like a playlist or I know you said you do yoga, but you know, what's what's kind of your routine to to break a slump? Yeah, dude. <laughs> you're you're asking me all the right questions because like I know these too well. Again, it's one of those things it's like different things work at different times. You know, I, I do always think working out, working out has always consistently helped me, um, just get out of my own head. Like sometimes like just even in my like lowest moments, I'm like, I know if I go do a, an hour long sweaty yoga session, like I have to concentrate during that hour and I cannot focus on the things that are bothering me. So working out has always been huge. Journaling has been huge. Um, Sometimes, yeah, a good playlist. Like sometimes I'm putting on like, you know, ridiculous like Beyonce and dancing. That's another, that's another like huge, one of like these random tools I picked up at like a Tony Robbins conference. They always talk about like getting out of your head and like moving your body. Um, And that's actually really helped. That's actually helped me a lot. Like sometimes even in like the lowest moments, just like dancing for two minutes, like an idiot helps. (laughs) Walking the dog helps. There's so many little things like there's, and, and literally every day, like you have to kind of take stock and be like, what do I, what, what is going to help me? Like, what do I want to do? Cause sometimes, sometimes I don't want to do a yoga class. I'm like, no, I just want to sit here and be sad. And I want to listen to sad music and maybe watch a murder documentary on Netflix. And sometimes that's the right move. Okay. I ask, I ask, this is a really goofy question. Okay. But I ask everybody that comes on, um, who would win in a fight between a Bengal tiger and a ram? I got to go tiger. <laughs> I don't know. I just got to go tiger. I feel like they're faster. They're more agile. They've got claws. Yeah, I'm going I'm going to go tiger. I I'm personally on the tiger side, okay? So I'm with you. Um this has been like a, a a question that our group has been asking for like over 10 years now and everybody always comes at it with a different angle i think a tiger would win too because just sheer size and agility like a cat like it's got a, but you know some people think that with the the uh, the way that the ram is set up like if it gets one good shot then it could knock the tiger out but i but you know it's not like this tiger's gonna just stand there stationary right i mean it's gotta it's a cat it's gonna move around yeah yeah i gotta go tiger (laughs) it's a weird question isn't it i'm sorry um here for it i love the randoms (laughs) um how have you balanced i know that you're you're now like waiting to get married right but how did you balance the career path that you ended up taking 
versus dating? Um, huh. That's, that's interesting. Cause, cause truthfully, while I was still dating, I was still like working in the corporate world. Like I still had, I still had like my alias going where I would never tell guys I was dating about big kid problems ever, ever, ever until we were like in a relationship. Um, Cause they're content, cause did, they don't, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're my best source of content. <laughs> and also like, I don't need a guy like reading through all that stuff and like knowing like all my weird craziness until they're like already locked in. That's usually a, uh, <laughs> that's usually my ma- my method. Um, so I would never tell them about big problems and I would just talk about my regular day job. Nice. But yeah. Yeah. Dating. Who- I haven't dated. I haven't dated in a long time. I met my fiance when I was on my 25th birthday. Oh, so wow. I've been out, I've been out of the game for a minute. Nice. Okay. Good deal. <laughs> Who would be your dream interview? Like Sarah could- Blakely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, <laughs> yeah, she's my hero. Sarah, call me. let's see did i ask you what the most uh popular piece of advice people ask you for um i mean they they kind of asked me like i think we talked a little bit about it just like like what my favorite advice is to give people like of this age range and it's that like none of us have it figured out to go easy on yourself take it step by step do you think about, you know, what it's going to be like when you hit like older ages and, and how big kid problems will transition? I mean, I know that's the whole point of it is that we never really grow up, but, um, you know, right now you're the Sherpa to all of us 20 somethings, right? Does, does, do you think that'll ever change? Yeah, I, I already see like my audience is kind of growing up with me for sure. Um, and I see like the types of content that I do. Like sometimes I do content still for my 20 something people, but the more and more the co- the content I do for my 30 something people is just like doing better. And I think it's just because a lot of my audience is just is growing up with me um, and can relate to that stuff a little bit more. So I do think the older I get, the more I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to always kind of stay true to what I'm going through at this current time in my life, because that's like where my, um, that's like usually where my daily inspiration comes from. It's like from my own personal experience, but I will always try to incorporate my younger peeps too. And, and to help them with some of the past big kid problems I've had, because that's the cool thing is like, after you go through something, now that I'm a little bit older, I have a lot of perspective that I wish I could have told 25 year old Sarah or 28 year old Sarah. So I'm trying to do that as well. And that's also a big reason why I started the podcast is so that I could, I could help, more of my younger self with some of the big kid problems that I've already experienced. What is the toughest lesson that you've had to learn? Mm, toughest lesson. Uh, I think it's just like, it's just like, um, you know, you kind of always have to like have your own back. Like I've always been waiting for the moment where, uh, I can stop hustling at like the current rate that I am, which it seems like every, you know, every day is hard. Like I have a lot of stuff I have to do. Uh, and I've always kind of like waited for somebody else to kind of come in and, and help or, you know, an agent or a manager or somebody else to like 
have my own best interests at heart. And at the end of the day, like it's always going to be me and I can't like, I, I, I don't, and maybe, maybe in a couple years I might have a different answer, but right now I'm kind of like, I am surprised and it's been an, a reoccurring lesson in my life. It's just like, I always have to trust me and I always have to go with my own gut and, and be my own biggest advocate because other people don't have the same vision that I do. And then last question, um, how about a quote that sticks with you that is like the most truest thing you've ever heard, the realest talk you've ever heard? Do you have a quote that is like your personal mantra? Yeah, and I already said it, so I hate to like take away my, you know, the big grand finale question, but like this life isn't a dress rehearsal is literally, I put it as my phone background. It is like my daily, my daily mantra. And actually... I do have another one. I, okay, I know I already said that. Let me see if I can find it. Okay, this is another. I actually recently, because that's always been my thing. Um, this life isn't a dress rehearsal, and to always like go full out and try everything because you know, obviously, we don't have all the time in the world. But a new thing I'm trying to do is um, is use the mantra of everything is happening around me, and I am truly taken care of. And that is really like, I try to remind myself that it's not always just on me. Cause like you guys can even probably tell from this interview, like I am like, like a warrior with this thing, like always pushing through, always trying to, um, you know, make shit happen and to rely on my support systems and other people around me to, um, all that will also take care of me and, and have my back at times too. Awesome. Perfect. That works. No, it's great. I love it. Thank you so much for uh, for doing this. This was really helpful, and all this all the work that you do is is really helpful to. I find it helpful. Anybody that listens to this, I'm sure will if they aren't following already, will definitely find it helpful as well. So, thank you so much, and uh, we'll do this again sometime if you want. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. No problem. Take care. Thanks. Okay, was she awesome or was she awesome? Yeah, there's only one right answer. She was awesome. If you thought that was awesome, then please let me know about it, okay? Leave me a rating and a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts on Spotify. We are on social media at BennyTomp18. There's the show page on Facebook at Real Talk WBennyT. Uh, make sure you tune in next week because I've got a really special interview lined up. I already taped it with Jason Durking, who is the Director of Strength and Operations at the University of Louisville, but he's also the creator of the Frazier Rehab Ironman Housing Fund Has a re- and, and has competed in multiple Ironman triathlons. Just a really cool-ass dude with a really cool-ass story, and we spent an hour diving into it. So that's going to be next week. I'll probably have some Uber stories for you as well. Be well, my friends. I'll see you next week. Take care.